Hi, I'm Elena. I'm Cammy. I'm Drew. I'm Cooper. And today we're going to be talking about four, Fahrenheit 451, and our topics are paranoia and realization. So the reading starts when uh, Montag is running away from the mechanical hound, and because it's chasing him, and he manages to escape, and then to make a show, the mechanical hound basically captures this random person, and they pretend it's Montag. Uh, as after running away, he Montag also meets uh, a group of others who share similar beliefs to him. Except they, they choose to memorize the teachings of the books and then burn the books to, to erase their trail. Yeah, and they see Chicago explode, or their city explode. Okay, so in the 30-second summary, we were kind of talking about how there's the one guy who was killed because they couldn't find Montag. And I just think it was kind of interesting that they considered him an odd person and that the government chose to kill an odd person and I'm kind of wondering if maybe that's what happened with Clarice. Yeah it's really interesting because what they're considering odd is he was just going for a walk and they're like well people don't go for walks anymore because it's not considered to be normal and so it's really interesting why he was considered odd but also is that what happened to Clarice like you said. Yeah I think that it's like kind of relates like Clarice going missing kind of relates back to like our self-realization topic because like Clarice helped him like kind of realize like what he was like like what his beliefs were and when she went missing because she was like odd or what the government thinks is odd it really kind of like made him start to rethink like his opinions yeah um Clarice definitely shared many opinions and taught Montag many things and for that I think the government because Montag also shares uh, very, very, very um, strange group. Well, not strange. It's kind of anti-government for them, and they, they they don't believe they don't like those people who to go against the government, and so they censor them. And I believe that's what happened. Why does Montag feel so emotionally bonded to Mildred, even though he is such the insignificant member of the yeah, it kind of makes me wonder, like, does he have a deeper connection? And when uh, she would, he, when Chicago was, like, exploding, he was kind of thinking, like, Mildred, get out, get out. I wonder if that's because he actually cares about her or if uh, she was just someone he knew would be in the city. And so I think that, I think that possibly he's just wanting not so many people to die and i don't think he loves death so he's kind of trying to do that i also think it's a sorry <laughs> i also think it's a little weird because mildred was so like eager to leave him and to like rat him out to the government but then like he still is trying to save her so maybe they do or he at least has a deeper connection with her i have something kind of relating to that he says on page 148 that, like, he doesn't really care. Like, he says, even if she dies, I realized a moment ago, I don't feel, I don't think I'll feel sad. It isn't right. Something must be wrong with me. He says, like, in the next part, he's, like, wanting her to get out. But in that part, he's saying how he doesn't care if she dies, which doesn't really make sense. And on page 40, he even references that, um, they, they both can't remember each other getting married or how they met at all. 
and it's just they just they just exist together yeah he suddenly remembers where they met when uh the city's exploding and uh he realizes that he doesn't share any deep connections that he's keep realizing this throughout the book that he really doesn't share any connections with mildred and she and him kind of just coexist and they never really acted like a couple or anything they just kind of lived in the same house and that was it so another thing is that the war was expected to have or to be over really quickly but everyone expected it to be like there's no deaths nothing bad will happen um, nothing to worry about and the war was over really quickly but it went the opposite as how everyone expected it to go and it had a lot of casualties yeah because like they they dropped the bomb and uh like there were thousands of deaths and of a ton of people that were just abiding citizens they were following society doing everything that society did and uh like they probably in the end realized that maybe uh, there were possible, uh, possibly things that were wrong with the government and society. I also, like somewhere in the book, it says how people like heard the planes fly flying by like almost every morning and every night, but no one ever really talked about like any casualties or death. Like they just say, oh, our husbands will never die, like Mildred's friends say her, their husbands will never die, and it's just kind of like weird how then they go through and everyone that they would have known died because of one plane or one bomb. Yeah, uh, yeah, because uh, it said that Mildred, well, Mildred's friends had, uh, some of them had multiple husbands because they died, but they never really cared about the husbands at all, and so they just, um, like forgot about them and never really cared about their husbands at all and so i think that it was really a surprise to see the world come to this big of an impact like so quickly yeah and um i think you're referencing this point from pages 90 and 91 when it says that uh mrs phelps is referencing in that infinite in and in, in again and out in again out again Finnegan. The army called Pete again. Pete yesterday. He'll be back next week. The army said so quick roll forty eight hours they said and everyone home. That's what the army said. Quick war. Pete was called yesterday and they said he'd be back next week. Quick. And what she's referencing here is that they all expected it to be a fast and easy war and no one would suffer that much. And they even say it's someone else's husband that dies. And by that, they pro they're probably meaning that they don't, it's, it's not, they're not suffering anything themselves. They're not getting directly hit by, they're not suffering direct effects from the war. It's somebody else's, and yeah. Something I'm wondering with that is, does like everyone that he used to know, like Mildred used to know, like in that city, does that cause him more paranoia now that like his home or like home his whole city has been like blown up what do you guys think about that um i think i i mean if i was in issues i feel like i would it just seems very well lucky maybe unlucky i guess depending on how you see it that he was like the only person that survived from his city 
Yeah, yeah, I think that uh, most people would care that their whole city has uh, blown up, but at this point, I think that he doesn't really care anymore because so many bad things have happened to him in his city. So I think that- I agree. <laughs> I think that his city kind of brings back a lot of bad memories. And so then he doesn't really care anymore. And he feels like it's just a bad memory. And so most people would care at least a little bit if their city uh, died or was exploded, but he doesn't really care anymore because it also means that uh, probably the deaths of the people who prosecuted him and everyone that was kind of in charge. And so I think that while it might be a big deal for most people, for him, it's really not that big of an issue. Another thing I'm wondering is if Clarice would have been in the city and like not disappeared or died or whatever, when that bomb went off, would it have been a bigger impact on him or would he have like kind of thought about it more instead of just kind of like blowing off as, oh, well, can't help it now? Yeah, I think that possibly um, if, because she was really the only one he actually ended up caring about. He kind of brushed it off when he learned that she died, but I think he was kind of holding out hope that she was still alive somewhere, uh, or at least uh, the reader kind of was. But uh, I think that you're right, that if she was in the city, he would have a bigger problem with it, and he might not brush it off so quickly. Yeah, um, it, he often dreams about her and his in his thoughts and stuff. And uh, for that, I think he does have a, a stronger connection to Clarice than any other characters. And you, she's not like Mildred, who he has absolutely no bond with. Well, he kind of he kind of has one, but um, with with Clarice, he had he shares ideas, thoughts, and they and they have a better mutual um, relationship. And that's and for that, he might he might have he might suffer more. If he realizes that she is the one, she's also been killed in the attacks. I think it's kind of funny how Clarice was in the book for like 20 pages and then like she was gone, but she still had like the biggest impact on Montag out of like any character. Um, I also didn't believe that she was dead until like it was kind of confirmed in the end. Um, I just didn't think that they emphasized it enough for her to be dead, but. Yeah, I kind of was always thinking that they would find her and they would uh like she wasn't actually dead and they would just uh find her wherever she was uh, and able to uh like move the story along because she was a really big key player and she is even talked about in the front cover uh but really she was only in it for a couple of pages before she was uh, gone. And I think uh, her death also played a role in the story as well. When Grander talks about the phoenix being reborn from its own ashes on page 156, it is an indirect reference to how ideas often appear and disappear in society. One time reading may be considered very valuable, the next it might be worthless. History often repeats itself. And I believe that this might be the case in Fahrenheit 451, as now after the, the bombings, 
education is is um is now lacking and people very much need it and books are one place to get it from. Uh, yeah, so on page 156, there is a spot where it talks about the phoenix. Um, yeah, I'll read that. There's a silly bird called a phoenix back before Christ. Every few hundred years, he built a pier and burned himself up. He must have been first cousin to man, but every time he burnt himself up, he sprang out of the ashes. He got himself born all over again. Yeah, I think that this is kind of a metaphor for how... Uh, the world, their world, can be reborn uh, out of the ashes of uh, the city. Maybe something better uh, could be. <laughs> so yeah, I think that the phoenix can really uh, symbolize how uh, the city can rise from its ashes and become something better again that will help uh, make better uh, things that were banned uh, like books accessible again and maybe it will be more like what we are and so I think he's talking about with the phoenix how uh when it burns itself it opens up opportunities for new chances and although it might seem like a sad thing it really is a good thing because it can bring new chances uh, so oops, sorry you can finish so there's like a bright side to uh the bombing yeah um I was kind of thinking about that, how, like, the city was destroyed, so maybe that meant that, like, some part of the government might have been destroyed, and because of that, there might be, like, possibility for it to kind of start from scratch, and for it to get better, and not be such a terrible government that values not good things. <laughs> Okay, so on page 136 and 137, Bradbury writes about how Montag like, is dealing with like all this paranoia about like the hound and how like this and that. And I think that he did this really well and like really kind of displayed like what Montag is feeling with like the paranoia and the hound and like how somebody's always out to get him really well. And I think, and I like how like you could kind of almost imagine like how Montag was feeling in that moment. Yeah, uh, he uses really good figurative language as uh, and it uh, is imagery to help you imagine what's happening, and it really helps you picture uh, take a picture of Montag's fear, and uh, it can help you understand Montag as a character because it's really vivid um, in what's happening. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. Uh. So, uh, a lot of metaphors are used in this book, and throughout and throughout the chat throughout part three, we witnessed uh, plenty of these. Uh, and there, there are plenty of examples in the book, including one such. Uh, one, there's one in about the river, where he's talking about how soothing it is to him and how calming it is to be to escape from the uh, mechanical house. Oh, I was just kind of thinking about how, um, like the paranoia and whatever. He was, he was in the river, I believe, when this happened. He was, and he thought he saw the hounds multiple times, but it just like was part of his imagination. And another time, it was like just a deer, and it just Bradbury did a really good job of showing 
the emotions that he was feeling through the figurative language. Thanks for listening to our podcast about paranoia and self-realization. Thank mm-hmm. you.